How often do you allow your intuition to guide you? Do you feel like there's something you need to do to tap into your intuition? Are you ready to surrender to your life's purpose? If so, you're in the right place. Today's guest, Dr. Ricky Jane Adams, holds a PhD in magical realism from the University of Melbourne and is the founder of the Institute of Intuitive Intelligence and author of Superconscious Intuition, Intuition Beyond the Trinkets and Superstitions of the New Age, and Spiritually Fierce, Are You Ready to Surrender to Your Unlimited Self? She's also the founder of the Spiritually Fierce Movement and Spiritually Fierce Podcast. Dr. Adams has said that the singular purpose of our souls on earth is to awaken itself at deeper and deeper levels. And today we'll be talking about just that. So let's dive into the interview. And thank you to the listeners for being here. Are you obsessed with the mystic? Are you looking for sisterhood? Are you ready to explore your inner magic? You've arrived, sister. Welcome home. I'm Maureen Spielman, and I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women I have met along my journey. Through amazing interviews, we go deep into the mystics and uncover the ways in which you can apply the knowledge and wisdom in your own life. We are all in this together. Sharing healing and joy in community is both my passion and my purpose. Here's today's conversation. So welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. I'm your host, Maureen Spielman. Today's guest, Dr. Ricky Jane Adams, joins us from across the world from where I sit in Eastern Australia. Dr. Adams holds a doctorate from the University of Melbourne in magical realism. And as a qualified transpersonal counselor, she's a Reiki master and trained in the EMF balancing technique. She's traveled the world learning from the great teachers and immersing herself in sacred texts. Not only that, but she's a student of A Course in Miracles, a devoted yogi, and a lifelong meditator. I think that the breadth of your work, Dr. Adams, is enormous and hard to contain in just a couple of paragraphs. So I'm going to leave that part of my introduction there and just say just a huge, enormous welcome to you and thank you for being here with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege, dear one. I'm so grateful to be here. Yes. And I'll first say too, that you came to me through my dear coaching colleagues, Leslie Boast and Hanno Laplaca. And, you know, they had discovered your intuitive work. And so that's, you know, sometimes when I, when I have a friend or someone and they're doing something and, you know, I just know, okay, that's, that's something to look into because I trust them, you know, as dear friends and colleagues. So in order to prepare for the interview today, you know, I've read Superconscious Intuition, your book, and I was also, I love your Instagram feed, but I, the thing that I recently learned about you is that you're sort of like this child of the world and that your upbringing, you're, you just weren't always rooted in Australia. And can you just begin by telling us a little bit about your upbringing? I always think that that's really interesting to where a person finds themselves today. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, you know, I, I shared recently a story of, of the first 16 years of my life. I was an expat kid. My dad is a pilot. And so we lived all over the world, but predominantly in the Middle East. And that has formed so much of 
my identity because I, there's something very interesting about being other wherever you are and and being the mm. outsider. Not that I ever felt like I wasn't included or valuable in the cultures and places that I was raised, but you know, Australia is a great country, but we, especially where I was born, Perth is a small, smaller city. It's got a bit of a country town mentality. And I was always kind of felt at odds being back in Australia because of how parochial and small-minded people tended to be, just not because they're bad, this lack of exposure. It's like the most isolated city in the world, I mm. think, or the second most isolated city in the world. Mm. And the Middle East just is part of the fabric of my being. And we know that the the experiences we have in the first seven years of our life are so formative to our identities and our characters. But it gave me, you know, really, I think a, a sense of how big and expansive and diverse the world is and never assuming that one culture, one faith, one way of doing things was the right way, right? Because I saw so much and, you know, not only the big bustling cities that I grew up in in the Middle East, but, you know, I remember going to a tiny village in the mountains in Oman, which is the land that Sinbad the sailor is uh, mm. purportedly from, a, a really beautiful country. But this this tiny village had remained unchanged since the time of Jesus. They lived in the same way. You know, they probably had some modern conveniences that Jesus didn't have, but it was preserved in time and it was, mm. you know, men and women lived separately. And it was, it was things that I got to see that I think never gave me a sense that this is the way things are. My mind was always open to the possibility and truth that life is different wherever you go. And mm. I think that informs a lot of my spirituality to this day. So that, you know, there's so much I could say about that time mm. in my mm -hmm. life. And it was a great sadness when it came to an end when my dad retired and I was sort of stuck mm. <laughs> back in Australia. <laughs> Not that I, you know, I do love Australia. And I did move to the other side of Australia to get to a bigger, more cosmopolitan city. I think I definitely needed that. And I did try to live overseas. It, it's really interesting how that never came to pass in my adult years. And I mm. it always I always thought it would, but you know, God had other plans. Yes, yes. And and I know you describe yourself as that sort of lifelong seeker, sort of opening all these doors. So what was it when you described that part of yourself? It's no surprise from where you came from that you were able to be exposed to very many different places, different cultures. But what was it that when you really started to tap into this almost new stage of seeking where you're like uncovering all these things and really the spiritual seeking yeah. that started? Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. It is. I, I tell the story often, you know, my mother's spiritual path began when I was in her belly. And so I've never known a life without that it was, you know, her journey. Obviously, as a child, I was watching and observing. But again, you know, in the backdrop of growing up in a country where the call to prayer 
you know, is the backdrop, is the soundtrack of my childhood, you know, lands of faith where faith is not something you do on Sunday or because you're trying to, you know, whatever, you know, impress the neighbours. <laughs> it's just the fabric of the way the Islamic people live, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, your call to prayer stops everything multiple times a day. But my mother's journey was, yeah, wrapped up completely in my own, and I'm sure that that landscape had a big influence on her as well. But the, I guess for me then it was not until I, what age was I? It's hard to remember the details, but probably, you know, 18 or 19 where I started to form Mm. my own ideas. I'm very lucky though. My mother's spirituality was a very classical spiritual wisdom text like A Course in Miracles. And Mm. so there were other things that she did that I no longer sort of participate in, but I was exposed to a great depth and it was never just the shiny kind of retail therapy spirituality where we're just, you know, trying to comfort ourselves. It was, she was really living through it and you know it it was great on the one hand because it gave me such normalcy around spirituality I never had to question you know when people kind of wake up as adults it's like oh my god will everyone think I'm crazy because now I'm believing these ideas it was just who I was right Mm. I think my challenge was then working out what is true for me out of everything that she has lived and believes and that really began I guess you know as I became a woman and went on my own path of speaking I love that. And has it been your experience? I was just talking to someone else about this, where we we do all these things, these beautiful uh, books and ideas and theories and whatever it is come our way. And we might, we might, when we first touch it and get a hold of it, we're, oh, this is the best thing that I've ever discovered. But then we might be going through life and we're like, oh, well, let's just put that back on the shelf. Or Because the whole time we're really cultivating what is for us. And yeah. I mean, what would you say to the listener that, you know, might be in those stages of discovery in a way where where we're not sure if this this is it? I feel like I've been finding my way with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say like all great things, it's a lifelong love affair, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it isn't something we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And be willing to have your mind and your heart changed. It's, you know, it's... We talk about this in superconscious intuition, the four stages of intuition. And it was really important for me to articulate that because if, you know, if we start school and we start in kindergarten and then we stay in kindergarten for 18 years, we might be great. I'm at school. I'm here, you know, but we're not actually evolving. And I think that, you know, because of fear of change being like the biggest fear that any of us have, we can grab onto an idea or a teacher mm-hmm. or a you know, thought school and then adamantly and vehemently defend that and be unwilling to evolve. And, you know, this is what the problem with religion is, right? It's like you got to pick a team, you stay with that team, you never question the coach. <laughs> but the point of spirituality and intuition is to awaken consciousness to, to deeper or vaster or higher levels And so if we stay stuck in one ideas and then defend that and fight people on the internet to to protect those ideas, we're missing the whole point. You know, Mm. I don't want to stay stagnant in my spiritual awakening. I want to know that my intuition can always get deeper, more intimate with the infinite. And I think we can, yeah, become a bit tribal in our like attitudes to it. And it's like, 
let things go so that others' mm. ideas can come and let yourself be provoked and agitated awake. You know, <laughs> one said this path of awakening was meant to be easy. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest mistake we make is we often turn to faith or spirituality in crisis so we're seeking comfort. Yeah. We might find a comfort, right? So we might in that first phase of intuition find a psychic who's going to tell us what's going to happen and maybe something they say comes true and then that gives us some confidence that intuition might be a real thing and then we we'd be like, "Oh, maybe I'll study tarot because maybe I can tap into mm-hmm. some of that." But if we are only seeking to have ourselves comforted, then we're missing the point, right? Because mm, as mm-hmm. you would be, I'm sure, just as quick to tell everybody, when you really commit to this path, you lose more than you gain. And I mean that in the best way, right? Because we give up so many ideas, mm. so many ego attachments, but that can be a process which feels like grief, right? Because of our ideas of the mm-hmm. world will have to fall away to make space for truth. And so we often cling to the known rather than go into that expansive, vast unknown. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am I know that you've worked with so many women along the way, and, and I'm guessing that that's what you see for yourself and for your clients and your students that... It is a following a falling away. And I'm kind of the thing that just came to my mind is so often when we're learning all these things, we also want, we have a tendency, and I feel like it's more in the mind to want to name everything and name the stages we're at. And, oh, I'm here. I'm I'm elevated in consciousness. I, I'm, I'm worthy. I'm, and just all the things. And that we don't, I'm getting the sense that we don't always need to name exactly where we are and can we just be in it a little bit more and trust without all the need to label it. And because that's one thing I think from, you know, programs I've taken or books I've read, it's like when I bring in the knowledge, I'll start naming it, but I'm not sure that that's the point. Mm. (laughs) Look, I'm a researcher and a a former academic and I love knowledge, right? So Mm -hmm. I love understanding things. And I do love, you know, mapping things and having that awareness. And I think, again, these things are beautiful gateway drugs, right? Mm. We might start with our star sign and then we're like, oh, there's a rising sign too. And then we're like, oh, there's a human design thing. And then there's a quiz, which this I am. And then, you know, even the stages of intuition that we map. But the, the trick with what we do with that map, of course, is that you are in all phases at all times, right? There's actually, you, you never, you're never leaving a phase of your intuition, but that can be a beautiful gateway drug, right? Mm -hmm. If we're willing to go, okay, I'm curious about myself beyond my identities, (laughs) beyond mother, beyond daughter, beyond wife, beyond all of these identities and roles I play, Mm -hmm. I'm getting to know my esoteric subtle self. But again, what happens is we get a label and then we're like, that's it forever. I'm a Scorpio, so I'm allowed to be a bitch to everybody because that's what, you know, the stars. <laughs> it's like, well, what if we can evolve even beyond mm. our astrological sign? What if we can evolve beyond I'm an INFJ, you know, human design type, blah, blah. What if they are just steps in understanding to move ultimately towards oneness. Mm -hmm. And oneness is a truth of non-dualism where there is no separation. There are no categories, not even of masculine and feminine. 
not even of of God and self, right? I am one with the oneness. And there is no mental activity that will take us there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's perhaps what you're alluding to is that ultimately where all our seeking and understanding takes us is to the, the place where there is no mind that can there's no human brain that can wrap itself around the truth of non-dualism, of oneness, of consciousness. Mm. And we have to be willing to sit in the mystery. And that is a experience, not a mental exercise. We mm -hmm. can read about it and we can be mm -hmm. excited about it, but it can't be experienced through trying to control it by knowing it, right? It's, it is that ultimate surrender to moksha that mm -hmm. spiritual liberation mm -hmm. it's very provocative i love that i was going to share a post that i had read you shared on instagram and i would have to say to anyone listening we'll share your instagram at the end but it's really you've got some beautiful quotes that have come from you that are very impactful but i love how this one post said independent mystical intuitive solitary on my own terms, it didn't take me long to realize this. I've known it all my life, but it has taken me decades to have faith in it and to live on my own terms. It has taken me decades to have the courage to follow my intuition to its furthest reaches beyond what is comfortable and acceptable to most of the world. Can you say more about that? Because I feel like that speaks to a lot of women, individuals listening today, that 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 knowing that we have, that, that sometimes it can take us longer than we would prefer to get where we're going and what you have to do sort of not that we're getting anywhere but what you were able to integrate so you could embody that hmm. you know the great contemporary mystic caroline may says there is no intuition without self-esteem and i think for women raised in a patriarchy we are constantly told we're not enough, right? And not to trust ourselves. And look, you know, I, I'm not trying to make this political, but it is a fact. We are in a patriarchy. It's just mm -hmm. a fact. And so our whole sense of worth is externalized and it takes great courage to wrestle back that power mm -hmm. and to say, you know, regardless of my weight, my age, how many kids I've had, how much I do this or I don't do that, I am worthy. And that is the ground of intuition flourishing. Mm -hmm. So we are all intuitive, but what will it take for us to have the courage to act and live on that intuition, especially if it's telling you to, you know, leading you to places that are not popular, like you aren't meant to have kids or you don't need to stay in this marriage or you can walk away from an abusive mother or whatever the stories are that are not going to make you acceptable or nice or good, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just yeah. talked to the festival last year and the topic was the not nice spiritual woman. <laughs> it's so difficult for us to unindoctrinate ourselves from being nice. And nice mm. actually means obedient, by the way. So if anyone says to me I'm nice, <laughs> I want to punch them in the face because like, I am not an obedient woman. Right. But I think that we are wrestling not so much with how do I get more intuition but with how do I believe in myself above all else and more than that how do I privilege my own life above mm -hmm. all else mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we're also taught to be servants we're taught to enslave ourselves to our partners to our children to our bosses to our careers and so we are dominated by this idea that a good woman is an obedient woman and mm -hmm. if we can 
learn to listen first to that or receive that intuition, but then have the courage to act on it, it will often take us into territory that will mean others do not approve of us. So Mm -hmm. we have to be so Mm self-approving that we can't, we don't abandon ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. intuition is a map of the evolution of consciousness within us, right? How willing am I to wow. forego the need for the world to approve of me mm-hmm. in order to approve of my own life? Mm-hmm. And it can be uncomfortable as hell, right? If your whole identity has been formed on how many pats on the head do I get and suddenly your life doesn't conform, it can you can be accused of all sorts of things. And we've seen it, you know, witches, insane, you know, every label women have had to endure when we have stepped into our own holy authority. And I think the greatest weapon of patriarchy in the last 8,000 years has been separating women from their holiness by telling mm-hmm. them they're evil and sinful and wrong and that they can only receive their holiness through the masculine right Mm -hmm. that's it's fucking genius excuse Mm -hmm. my language Mm -hmm. you really want to you know undermine someone's power tell them that they are not god tell them that they are not of god Mm -hmm. and that you know they have to spend their lives trying to earn god's credit so i know that's a big ranty answer and i you know it's something that i feel very passionate (laughs) about for me it's I guess the stark reality is getting older really helps, right? Mm-hmm, the older mm-hmm. I get, less invested I am in other people's ideas of me and I will never wish for my youth again, you know. I'm grateful for my whole life, but I love the confidence and certainty that comes with getting older and yeah. wisdom comes with experience. There's oh, yes. Not to say we can't have this when we're 20, but I think we get a, you know, there's a reason why this phase you know I'm 46 now this phase of my life and this phase for so many women is such a time of freedom because we're no longer motivated by things we thought were going to make us happy and the desire to reach those things and then we reach a place where we're like oh actually Mm -hmm. my life is the thing that's going to make me the most satisfied absolutely well I love how you just said intuition is the map of consciousness within us beautiful I loved your rant and I'm going to ask you, since you started, (laughs) say that again. Apologies for the swear word. (laughs) You are good. Well, and I, the quote that the only other quote that I wrote down from Instagram goes along with what you just said. You wrote, we must give up unworthiness now as an act of service to the planet. Very powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's everything that I've just said, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. simply in the hands of women you know men raised in a patriarchy don't do any better they're Mm -hmm. no better off I mean sure they have access to more power and authority but everybody's sense of self-worth is lost when we are separated from our holiness from our divinity and the great crisis of our time is not economic or environmental or you know you know political it is that we are in a spiritual crisis where we have been secularized to the point where we even to speak about God or anything, you know, I use God very freely as you can Mm -hmm. hear, but whatever version of that for you, we've been taught that that is dangerous and wrong or backwards and, you know, small minded. And so we are a world 
at odds with itself because our nature is divine and we are not told that or if we're told it we're told it through a set of very strict religious rules that actually create more problems Mm -hmm. that give us freedom you know Mm -hmm. give us freedom to pursue our spiritual nature and so until we mainstream and bring faith-based practice ideas ontology to the world we will continue to be at war and destroy ourselves. And that to me is the purpose of my life is to bring that spiritual revolution. Mm. That's why it matters so much that I am an educated woman. I have a PhD. I can give you the science. I can talk to you. I hope in a language that is not going to ask you to have to abandon your own sense of reason. I mean, reason and and divinity coexist. Yeah. We don't have to be crazy, you know, psychedelic taking hippies running around mm-hmm. the paddock in order to find God. I mean, that's a fun way to do it. And I've enjoyed my time with that. <laughs> it It is not necessary for us to be unreasonable in yeah. order to follow our faith. Mm, yes. And I and I saw that intention that you had to lead this revolution in the intuitive sciences and bridging the reason and the spirituality. So I have so many questions for you. But when did you begin to trust when you really just fell into trust about your path? Was it something that occurred in your life or would you say it was just many things that alchemized? I would say if I looked at it on a diagram, it would be a roller coaster of trusting, not trusting, trusting, not trusting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the truth, right? And often our initiations into deeper levels of, of access to our God nature is through crisis. Oh, yeah. So often it's the crisis, the dark night of the soul that will then bring us to the point of humble surrender where we're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, next time I'm going to do this different. And we don't. I mean, it's why I have I trust God tattooed on my arm because <laughs> I have to remember that I trust God because it's so easy when life gets challenging to forget. So I look, as I say, it's been my whole life, but really establishing the Institute in my 30s, which came out of a crisis of faith, was the turning point where it was no longer a negotiable thing for me. And I left behind my academic life. I left behind ultimately a marriage. I left behind safety and comfort and a lot of things that others would measure as success in order to give everything to this path. And that's when I established the Institute. So I was around 36 now, Mm -hmm. 36 then, I'm 46 now. So yes, that's about the timeline. And since then, you know, it has been absolutely, there's no, there's no question of, oh, maybe I'll go and get a job doing something else. It's like, if I'm not doing this, then I'm, I'm wasting my time on this planet. And I don't say that to suggest that we all yeah. need to be making a living mm-hmm. from this. This is just the path that God has chosen for me. And it came at a time where, yeah, I had followed the career path. I had made the babies. I had been married. You know, I'd done all the things I thought were going to make me happy and they didn't. And I was angry and I was anxious and I had actually you know, basically turned my Mm. back on God. And I was trying to reject that part of myself because I'm like, why, why would I be so unhappy if this is the path that I wanted? And truly, you know, what it came to was that recognition that I needed to be all in. I couldn't be one foot 
here, one foot there. Again, that was just my path. And when I gave in and gave everything to that path, everything then evolved. But, you know, I fought hard. I Mm -hmm. I fought. (laughs) I fought my intuition. (laughs) And, you know, my anxiety is always, has always been the best indicator of when I'm ignoring my intuition. Yeah. And, you know, we can think of it like stretching an elastic band, you know, the more anxious, the more we reject or ignore our intuition, the more we're pulled in two directions. Here is my truth. I don't want to necessarily know it because it means I'm going to have to leave that man or whatever, get out of my comfort zone. And here is, you know, me trying to hold on to oh, wow. yeah. to know. And I'm being pulled so tight. No wonder I'm an anxious mess, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I talk about, as you would have read in the book, fear is intuition, right? When we're not talking about physiological fear, like if you're being chased by someone yeah. and your body's pumping adrenaline, sure, that's necessary to get you out of a dangerous situation. But if you're sitting on the couch, everything's fine, you, you know, watching the TV, and you're suddenly hit by anxiety, that is intuition. Mm-hmm. It's tapping you on the shoulder, sometimes smacking you in the face, saying, hey, there is something that you are not listening to, a mm-hmm. deeper truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have I have no issues with treating medically intuition. I have been medicated for intuition mm-hmm. at different points in my life. It saved my life at different points because when you're in crisis and dysregulation, yeah. you do not know what your intuition is telling mm-hmm. you. So you need to get back to a state where you can be in some kind of nervous system regulation in order to have access to your intuition. You know, intuition cannot land in an unprepared vessel. So whatever we need to get us there. But if our coping mechanisms are numbing us further, like many of our addictions do, alcohol, food, shopping, Mm -hmm. you know, shitty relationships, then we will never hear, feel, see or know what our intuition is is showing us. So don't look at anxiety, stress and fear responses as a problem. Mm -hmm. Be humble enough to sit down with those feelings rather than numb yourself out to them Mm -hmm. and say, Mm -hmm. okay, what do you got to tell me? Mm -hmm. And we don't do that because often we already know Yeah, you need to change something, right? Mm -hmm. And we Mm -hmm. do not want to hear that. We will (laughs) run a million miles or we'll change everything else color of our hair the what we're eating how we dress but we won't change the things Mm -hmm. that really matter right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I think it's yeah I don't know where the question started there but that's (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. yeah but I love it because you're saying that those sometimes the parts we misidentify as us who we are again a label they're they do exist. We feel them in our bodies and they're just here for us to really pay attention to they're like you know, they're just they're the, not these. Failure. Yeah, they're not failure. You know, mm-hmm. but we don't. We're not taught how to work with that impulse, right? So, yes. unmet anxiety will become a problem, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if we, you know, this is why I encourage all of my students at that first twinge of fear, anxious thought, mm-hmm. you know, comparisonitis, lack mentality, stop. And humbly ask that fear, what do I need to know, right? Mm, If mm -hmm. we wait and wait and wait, the tsunami then has to come and then we end up in the crisis and then we have the dark night because it's accumulated. So every time fear rises, be like, yes, I get Mm -hmm. to know myself better now. Mm. And that will only work, right, if we go back to 
if I have the courage to confidently back myself before I back anyone else. Absolutely. And that's the formula, right? That's why I call it spiritual fierceness because mm-hmm. it is easy to be self-approving and it isn't easy to do things that other people will disapprove of at mm-hmm. first. And then it can become like, you know, a way of life. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I feel like what you're saying too is, It's really important to set up the conditions around ourselves in order to support us. And I really like what you're saying, too, because when we think of when we think of the things that we think of as addictions, whether it's anything from smoking to drinking to reaching out to anything, right, shopping, Internet, whatever it is there are ways to distract us from that intuition coming from within. And they're not, again, like so many people say and teach, and it's so beautiful. It's like, let's stop making any of this bad or wrong in any way and just begin to pay attention with compassion and understanding and open arms. But then I really think of what you've created is this community of women and maybe men too, I'm not sure, but just a community that can see you in and hold you, just hold you where you are and foster that growth within you. And that's when I'm thinking about like the really supportive conditions. It seems like it can be such a, just a juicy part of someone's life that they can draw in. And I think it's so important. Yeah. And it is, you know, for me, we don't talk about holding space. We talk about creating space, right? Mm, So mm -hmm. I can hold you in a pattern of dysregulation of like, it doesn't matter how loving my intentions are, I could be holding you in an energy that's just going to keep you stuck where you Mm. are. But if I create an energetic paradigm and a nervous system paradigm that allows you to step into the next level of your being, then I am creating the conditions for whatever your next best step is to appear. And I'm not going to tell you what that is. Mm -hmm. The biggest rule of how we train intuition in the institute is I do not increase my intuition in order to tell you about your life right Mm. I increase my intuition to create the conditions for you to increase your own intuition Mm -hmm. and that is that is revolutionary right because most of us think that our intuition is increased if we're interested in it so we can go and tell other people their own stuff, right? That is against the law in my institute. Mm -hmm. It's like you can lovingly guide people to truth through your intuition, but it is only ever with the highest intention of increasing their own intuition. Mm -hmm. That is the Mm -hmm. goal, right? That is the call. Mm -hmm. And it's that is unintentionally, we do have a culture around intuition in the contemporary age, which is effectively black magic. Because if I see something, because I'm feeling here, seeing, knowing all of the time, because we live in a quantum universe, every possibility for your life exists. Mm -hmm. If I name that, I see one possibility for your life, right? And I name it, I am collapsing the wave function this is quantum physics language, Mm -hmm. at that point in time. And if you trust me, if you like me, and if you think I've got more intuition than you do, you will defer your authority to me and you will believe what I say and you will make it happen, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's how future fortune-telling predictum works. It's not prediction. It is actually determining someone's future for them. And that is dangerous. That is Mm -hmm. black magic. Mm. And no one knows more about you than you do 
And yes, you may not have put the conditions in your life to get get easy access to your intuition, but if you want it, you can get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like learning French. You can't sit at home and do nothing and be like, I want to be fluent in French. Right. You go and you learn, right? You might travel to France. You will pick it up. You will study it. You'll find a teacher. And with intuition, we have this really weird idea that some people have it, other people don't. That person knows all yes. the answers in my life. Who would design a system like that? Mm -hmm. It's a terrible, terrible system that I would not be my own oracle. So I am very ranty about this particular topic because I really only want to see, and this is the spiritual revolution, that we all have access to the deeper states of connection to our intuition because that, again, is that holy self-authority, self-ordination. No one can take our power from us if we understand that we're just as connected as everybody else. Now, now, not everybody's going to make that choice, but if you want it, you can't sit at home. It's like if you want a six-pack, you cannot sit on the couch eating ice cream, praying that God's going to give you a six-pack. You got to show up. You got to do the work. Mm -hmm. So I know your question was about community, and I want to go back to that. (laughs) It is very much... Yes, being surrounded by people who will create the conditions within themselves to offer that conditions evolution to Love you. Mm-hmm. And if we all sit in our pity together, you can mm-hmm. hold space around your your you know victim self for days. It's not going to change anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that you know, if we are surrounded by like-minded people who are willing to be part of that discomfort, that agitation, you mm-hmm. know. It's not easy working with me. You know, my clients will often feel the intensity of that that love. <laughs> it's like, I'm not here for your comfort. I'm here for your evolution. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. means stripping away illusion. So, uh-huh. yeah, there is no greater gift than finding people who can meet you at that level. And yeah. it is why all of my trainings happen in groups because we do need each other, right? Again, mm-hmm. we go back to the oneness Ultimately, you are on your own on this path. But if you want to accelerate it, gather with like-minded people because you will be, you know, buttons pushed, loved, you know, hated, all of the full expected <laughs> experience, but mm-hmm. you will move much faster. We know this about relationship, right? It's much easier not to be in relationships <laughs> because you <laughs> it's it's why people used to become nuns and monks. I completely <laughs> understand that impulse. <laughs> Absolutely. And do you feel in your own life when you talk about the messages that surround us that can still be in life is happening to me, a victim consciousness? Did you have to become pretty pristine about that in your own life to to kind of to to be in the conversations you wanted to create and be in and experience? Did you have to just get really clear and clean in your own life? Yeah, we call this congruence, right? You must be the demonstration of your faith. And in fact, you know, with my own beloved mother, who is a teacher in the Institute and and even in her 70s is still beautifully evolving. Mm. One of the greatest, I guess, dark nights for me is recognizing, despite how devoted she was, there were great parts of her life that she never let her spirituality touch. So she would stay in emotional chaos and in her own shadows. And it's like she was spiritual in one part and would not let it touch, Mm -hmm. you know, 
be a childhood trauma, mm-hmm. lots of reasons psychologically, but it was like she divided herself. And I think that's probably a survival mechanism of many survivors of trauma, but I couldn't understand it. And I got angry with her, which is not a fair mm-hmm. response, but, you know, typical mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. And in many ways, I ended up rejecting a lot of her faith and we have completely reconciled now. And as I say, she's a teacher in the Institute and we kept evolving together, but I could not see any point in having a spirituality that did not change my daily human life. Mm -hmm. What was the point of living with psychological trauma and emotional chaos and addiction and all of these fears and then like go and do meditation and buy crystals and whatever. I was like, they have to be one. And we, have this word anthropos right fully human fully divine which mary magdalene spoke of that if your faith is not integrated with your humanity then you have missed the point because we get this human life we get this opportunity on earth school to use this human experience to awaken to more and more of our god nature so you cannot bypass your humanity you can't skip straight to the dissociation where you'd like spend six hours meditating in you know Mm -hmm. fluffy clouds and then come back and be an asshole to your partner because you don't know how to deal with your anxiety Mm -hmm. right and so for me that was absolutely that is the non-negotiable right if i am not the best human i can be what is the point of being like the best meditator i can be right because people do use their spirituality to bypass and dissociate Mm -hmm. and why you know my spirituality is you know it is advocacy it is why i am posting about palestine it is why i'm educating myself about all the genocides in the world it is why I will not turn away from Me Too or Black Lives Matter or mm-hmm. extreme issues of environmental crisis because what is the point of awakening if I am not bringing more of that grace and divinity to the world? Because, again, spiritual crisis, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Everything is a spiritual crisis in one form or another. And so it's it was so important to me that my spirituality brought me more into the world And I speak about, as A Course in Miracles does, this world is a dream. It Mm. is a dream, absolutely. But it is a necessary dream. And it is a dream that we are dreaming together. So we have to learn collectively how to dream better because we are creating the nightmare through the belief in separation. You know, that's Palestine. It's other people. It's not my problem. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, black people's problem. Or that's, you know, it's not my problem. I'm over here. I've got everything I need. If my heart isn't being broken open to hold more love, more compassion by the events of the world, and I'm like sealing myself away, creating my little vision board that's just about me getting more stuff for my ego's needs, I have missed the point. Mm. The point is that I see you, I see me. You are me in another body. I see the world, I see me. Mm -hmm. I take my love, I take my compassion, I take God's grace and I offer it to a suffering world. I don't hide from that world and I don't hide from the darkness within me because we sure as hell all got it in there, right? And so if I meet fear in me, every time fear rises and I sit down humbly to meet it in me, I am serving the world. I'm releasing fear from the collective dream. So we don't have to get overwhelmed, right? It's it's as easy as, oh, I just had 
a lack thought, or I just had a feeling of comparisonitis, or I just had a feeling of my partner doesn't love me as well as he should. I'm not going to go and yell at him or be angry with the world or buy shit I don't need. I'm going to sit with that discomfort and be like, what do you need? Mm. What are you asking for? Mm -hmm. And when I meet that fear, I'm, I am literally creating an energetic ripple in the field that it releases fear from the world. That's how powerful I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is spiritual activism. You don't have to go pick it. You don't have to yell. You don't have to be angry. You just have to be humble Mm. enough to recognize you are the universe. Mm -hmm. You are, you are the universe. What you see is within you. Mm. And that kind of responsibility can be terrifying, right? We'd much prefer that God is sitting on a throne in the sky, deciding who's good and who's bad. And we don't have to worry about it. Right. But Mm -hmm. When we really truly understand that non dualism, understand. Yeah. Understand. You cannot yeah. get that in the mind, right? <laughs> we can sit with the humility to be like, how can I do better yeah. for the world? Because mm. that is me. Mm-hmm. I love it, Rand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I love it. I love it. And you, well, you said something earlier about the time of freedom. And it, it feels like when that fear comes up within, and then you liberate it by using your voice around something, you you are freeing yourself from something that came way long ago that was never yours, that was never, that kept you quiet, that kept you down. And I kind of reminds me of what you said about how, you know, even the words we know around religion, like God, like we, we're just, we feel like we can't freely use them. But if we begin to practice and just show ourselves, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be with the fear liberate that part of me and and prove to myself that I'm safe. I'm safe. Yeah. And I'm wondering what you're seeing too, as you are with individuals in the field you're working in, what are you, what are you seeing kind of more for change or energetically what's coming alive? You know, I think it is very much that awareness that our humanity is not the problem, right? Our humanity is the blessing. And that if we are, you know, everything we do in the Institute is trauma-informed. It comes from, you know, embodied practices, that understanding that this is the vehicle. And when we learn how to be in the world, not avoid the world, that is the age of the contemporary mystic that we're in. And you know, I'm not sure I'm answering your question. And certainly if there's something else you want me to speak to, please, please ask again. But I think, you know, we, we are in the age of the contemporary mystic, and it is a revolutionary time. And whenever Mm. we see the world on fire, as we're seeing it now, we can be excited that it means change, right? That that the the systems are falling, the world Mm. is crumbling. It's revealing its its underbelly, you mm-hmm. know, and that underbelly for some people has been obvious because they did not benefit from the systems of power. And for others like me, yeah. white, privileged, middle class, Australian, not a lot of trauma in my life. It's so easy to ignore those systems of power because they haven't been wielded against me, you mm-hmm. know, obviously things about being a woman I could speak about, but largely my life has been pretty privileged. And I have to have the courage to use that privilege now, right? Not to hide from that privilege. If I have been born by right of my birth into the power, I must use that. And so I, again, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but I think there is that awareness that 
we must be willing to do the damn work. It doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to comfort us. And you use that word safety, which I love because you're absolutely right. You know, we need to create safety in order to go into the deeper states of intuition. But the safety that we're looking for is not what we think is going Mm -hmm. to create safety, right? Because we've seen that. doesn't matter how many relationships or how much stuff we have or how much Mm -hmm. money we still will often have that fear of losing it all or, yeah. you know, not yeah. being loved enough. But the safety is that which comes from within, knowing that I am a precious child of God and yeah. that I am, as it Course in Miracles says, you know, asleep in God's arms, dreaming of exile, but perfectly capable of awakening. Mm-hmm. And that safety then can trickle down into nervous system regulation and creating the conditions in the body where we can feel safe with ourselves and that is what lends the freedom and I think that is really the conversation Mm -hmm. of that recognition that you you have to bring all of you to the conversation you can't leave any part of you behind Mm -hmm. oh it's all so good I'm just kind of it's so many things you've said today are just it's so so beautiful I don't know what I've left out you know as we've (laughs) had this conversation probably a lot but what else do you want to leave the audience with today just in, in terms of what I've missed around, you know, your intuitive teachings or anything that you'd have to say? Because like I said at the top of our interview, the work is deep and, you know, I haven't read Spiritually Fierce yet. I want to get a copy of that for myself. But the, if if you are to pick up Superconscious Intuition, that is a, a breadth of just a gold mine of intuitive the, the marrying of the, of both worlds. So, I don't know yeah. what what would yeah. you say? <laughs> well, spiritually fierce comes first, and spiritually fierce is mm-hmm. more practical and probably an easier read for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, superconscious intuition is more like my thesis. I think <laughs> if I was, you know, at university, that's what I would have submitted. Um, and I will just mention, I do have another book that's just come yes. out, just in case people want a different formula. Mm-hmm. So this is called Love Notes to the Divine, and it is its quote. So basically, I took five years of Instagram content and turned it Good. into a book because I was afraid Instagram would disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, designed to open to a page, and it's like, you know, grace is what we are. It is a state of being that is freedom from fear. And you can just open to a page and, you know, take mm-hmm. that as daily mm-hmm. meditation or prayer. So I'm not trying to spruik it. I'm, it's just yeah. sometimes much easier just to do mm-hmm. that. But, the, you know, I have always taken great care with the content I share on Instagram and it is beautiful. So I was like, yeah, let's make it a book so that it's easily yeah. accessible for people who like books. You've asked such great questions and I feel like we have, you've, you've given me such beautiful space to to answer deeply and I'm really grateful for that. And that's a reflection of your depth. Mm. Um And it isn't something that I encounter often. So Mm. thank you. But, you know, what would be what would be the final thing to say is just don't be afraid to go deeper. You know, don't be afraid to lose ideas of yourself because that is where the freedom is. You know, the less that we believe, the freer we are. And ultimately, you know, we see this It's like coming home to truth is like returning to the little baby, the innocent, because 
beyond all of the ideas. It doesn't matter how you get there. All paths will lead you to truth. I don't care what path you take. You could be the most violent criminal. You could be the most holy person. We're all going back to God. We're all going back to that divinity. But the more willing we are to just give it up, give up all these ideas of self, of what we need, of what other people think, of of all of it, the clearer and truer and easier that path can be. And just to, you know, humbly bow down before that impulse towards your deepest intuition because it will not lead you astray yeah. if you do the damn work, right? You've mm-hmm. got to do the damn work to get mm-hmm. yourself ready. But if you go where your God voice is calling you, you will always find the truest, easiest path. And mm-hmm. that that is, that's the game changer. That is a beautiful place to not leave the listeners, but allow them to be. And I feel like whatever I felt like I didn't ask today or you didn't say was felt in the energy of the interview because that it's just it's just an energetic feel. So where can listeners um, find out more about you? I want them to know about the Institute. We've named your books and yeah. anything you'd like to share. Yeah. So the yeah institute for intuitive intelligence you can just go google us mm-hmm. and uh you know we are a global training institute we do work predominantly online so that we can reach as many people we do serve men and women but i do find that my flavor tends to attract uh, women more <laughs> and i'm happy with that and we are going to be delivering our flagship program the method which is learning how to use fear as intuition in service to others and to ourselves. So it is a recognized professional qualification and we'll be bringing that to Portugal in May, which I'm very excited about. I'm hoping Leslie will be there to support us because she's just hop, skipping a jump over the border yes. in front. <laughs> um, but that that is the training. We're doing it in that in-person accelerated approach to, to upskill those who are already serving in big, bold, beautiful ways. But this is really like to be able to go straight into the underworld of someone's being and to help show them the shadows and to release those fears in an accelerated way is the fastest way to increase intuition. So that is coming up in May. All the details are on the website, but yeah. I love it. Yes. And on Instagram, I think it's your name. Is that correct? Yes, I have. Well, there's the Intuitive Intelligence Institute Mm -hmm. and then so if you'd like to follow me, Ricky Jane Adams. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for everything today, Dr. Adams. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you to the listener. Please reach out with any questions you have to either of us and check Dr. Adams out for sure. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if it's on Apple or Spotify, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and review. And be sure to share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs and join the Mystical Sisterhood community, visit MaureenSpielman.com or MysticalSisterhood.com.